everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Mike. And my name's Allison. Whoa. Yeah, it is. Hey, how's, uh, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. How are you? Good. You look really cute. Aw, thank you. You were uh, doing a TikTok earlier today. I was. Anytime I do a TikTok, I gotta at least make my face look somewhat presentable. Yeah, I mean, it's the best you look all week, so I really appreciate that. Not that people flip it on and they're like, ooh. Right, right. They don't want to be too scared. Like, yeah. a little scared, because that's what they're coming for, but ultimately, they don't want to show Not about my off. face. Right, right. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, we're, we're a couple that tells a new true crime uh, story every week, every Sunday, come out with brand new episodes. Haven't missed a week yet in like over a year. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah, good and track then, record. Uh, if you want bonus episodes, we have Patreon stuff too. So check out our show notes. But um, anything new going on this week? Yeah, we have a lot going on. Um, we have a major announcement as far as it comes to the Crime and Coffee Couple uh, Empire, I guess <laughs> I would say. And I'm going to go ahead and let you make the announcement. Well, we were away last weekend with our friends and we had just gotten settled and like met up with them and sat down to lunch and my phone buzzed. And our friend had asked, do you guys want a kitten? And I looked at Mike and he's like, I need to see some pictures. And of course, it's an adorable kitten. And our daughter has just been wanting a kitten so bad because we had cats for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. And sadly, our second cat passed away about a year ago, September of 2021. So our daughter has just been on us about wanting a cat. I'm like, I am done scooping cat litter. Been there, done that for 20 years. I'm not doing it again. And I never scoop cat litter. Like, that's my number one thing. It's like, I love cats. I'll love them and kiss them and stuff. I just don't want one. If it comes to me scooping cat litter, the answer is no. Mm -hmm. It's simple. Like, I'm not going to do it. So, so we, we talked to our daughter and we're like, listen, this is going to be an early birthday present, but it's your responsibility. And so far, she is doing wonderful. We got him on Tuesday mm-hmm. and he is freaking adorable. His name? Walter. Middle name? White. Yes. Walter so if White. any of you watch Breaking Bad, yep. that's what it's in reference to. Um, it's a pretty good name. You know, came up by what our, our 12-year-old and 14-year-old together. Our daughter is 10. 10? Holy what? Hold her son, 14, right? Yeah. Oh, they're four years? No, she's got her coming up. Okay. Oh, my gosh. This is my life, people. That's my husband. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> wow. How many people think less of me now? Probably everybody. So that's good. <laughs> if it makes anyone more understandable, it's been a very crazy few days. Mike was out of town. It's just been very hectic around here. Mike's parents are in town. You're We've just got making this new kitten. And Cameron's got a sleepover buddy here. It's it's very crazy in our house right now. And as anybody who's a regular listener knows, anytime I tell the story, which is you know what it means when I start the the show, is that I stay up all night trying to find. Uh, you all were the up till midnight, Mister. Well, yeah, you weren't up all night. I was out of the office for. I was in Fort Lauderdale. I flew in late and then like caught up here and then I was exhausted from yeah, the day. You so are. I got up at like five a.m. yesterday, but you do that every day so whatever cry me a river no i get up at four i just don't know my daughter's age that's what it comes out to you know your daughter's age you're just you know too much information it's brain shut down i always remember the three years apart so i'm always like okay if i can remember one i can remember the other one so it's like okay but i still said 12 and 14 so there goes that idea our daughter will be 11 in like two weeks okay i know her i know her birthday no, I'm not telling you. I right. know you know her birthday. Well, you never know what I just did. Who knows? <clears throat> Who knows what I know anymore? Lordy, lordy. And if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, you can see our cute little puppy sitting right next to you. Yeah, um, she'll be here every once in a while. Who knows? Sometimes she's... she wants to come in and not. And yeah, if she wants to leave, that's fine. Yeah, sometimes she's with our daughter. But and then we're doing a 100 day no alcohol challenge. Yeah, we sure are. So that's fun. That was a lot of fun to explain to all my coworkers in Fort Lauderdale <laughs> hey. when we went out to dinner, like a nice dinner, and got some you know nice you know steak and salads and stuff and they're like all right so what are you gonna have to drink i mean like um any uh non-alcoholic beer and they're like uh budweiser zero they're like oh 
And you know, automatically they look like, oh, you're an alcoholic or something? And I'm like, no, I'm just doing this 100-day cleanse or not even cleanse. No, it's certainly not a cleanse. Challenge. It's challenge. just a challenge. Yeah. Because I have been for the past year just like on a healthier journey and alcohol is not a part of my healthy life. In no way, shape or form is it part of really anyone's life. I don't judge anybody that no. chooses to. Are you kidding me? I mean, just last weekend we were at the beach drinking alcohol. So right. I, I'm not passing judgment on anyone. This is just for for us. Sure. For me. Yeah. I said you can join me if you'd like. I'm doing it. Yeah, she's not making me folks. So no. you know, don't look for special signals like please help or anything like that. Mouthing, help yeah, me. Please just give me a beer real quick. <laughs> um yeah, it's it's something I and you're you're thinking to yourself, holy cow, if you're thinking of a hundred days, that's till Groundhog's Day next year. So that mm-hmm. means no drinking for Thanksgiving, no drinking for Christmas, and also New Year's. Mm-hmm. And Halloween too, a lot of people drink. Yeah, we usually do. Like bring some beers around. Yeah, right last now. year we didn't. Like over the past year we have drastic cut down on what we drink i will go months without drinking like probably two months without even thinking about it and part of my thing uh, my like my coworkers asked i said i don't even like love the taste of beer like i used to be a beer connoisseur and i still am i know beers and i know which ones i like the most but if it came down to it like if if it was my last day on earth i wouldn't choose a beer to drink i would choose like hawaiian punch because i don't have to worry about the cart calories mm-hmm. yeah. i i actually love the taste of like gin and tonics and red wine and stuff like that but alcohol gives me such bad anxiety and gas <laughs> no it doesn't no. um but it also like makes me bloated and gain weight and i mean i calculated how many calories i would have typically drank in a weekend like a year and a half ago and i mean it's an obscene um like number so what's nice is instead of drinking alcohol calories i can eat like chips and pretzels so that's nice well i mean Just you do get more freedom yeah yeah and uh so I, I i lost like 20 pounds right away and i've been plateauing since then so mm-hmm. i gotta do something else we'll see well, but yeah so a lot of stuff going on here at our uh our little a little crazy yeah but uh you want to get in oh do we have oh one more thing yeah if you're enjoying this episode at all or past episodes let's say if it's the three episode rule if you mm-hmm. like three of our episodes please and you have to have a uh, apple phone go ahead and uh, leave us a five-star review with a couple of words you just go to our, our podcast page scroll all the way to the bottom press five stars and you can write a little something like oh allison and mike or whatever blah 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 but as long as it's five stars so that's all we <laughs> and just know that we really do appreciate it yeah absolutely it helps us out a lot and helps us grow and mm-hmm. that's fantastic so thank you for your help i know it's just one of those things like Ugh, another thing to do in my day right but we do appreciate it a lot we do so thank you uh, without further ado, shall I? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this one is an interesting one, I will say. Um, I've been researching it. It took me about, what, four or five hours today, a couple hours yesterday, a couple hours before that. So yep. um, this is not like your typical true crime story here. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. So let's get into it. I don't even know if a crime is committed. No. I will say a crime is not committed. Okay. But it's more interesting. So Cool. You, I like an interesting judge. story. Huh. It's, it is interesting. <laughs> okay. So buckle up. This is about Benjamin Kyle. Okay. okay. Never heard of this. Yeah. Well. Uh, Person. Yeah, you'll find out. On August 31st, 2004, in Richmond Hill, Virginia, about 20 miles outside of Savannah. Mm-hmm. So pretty close. A Burger King employee found a man lying unconscious and completely naked near the Burger King dumpsters. Mm-hmm. He had fire ants across his body. Oh. Your biggest nightmare. Yes. Uh, was sweating and also sunburned. So it just kind of looked like somebody dragged him out there and left him for dead, basically. Yeah. Uh, police were called, and by the time the police got there, the man was awake but not completely coherent. Uh, they took him via ambulance to St. Joseph's Hospital in Savannah, and since there was already a John Doe at the hospital, they named him Burger King Doe. You're kidding me. <laughs> no. I don't. What do they do at the hospital if there's a John Doe already? A um, John Doe 2? I don't. I mean, 
in our hospital, we have never, I don't know that we've ever had a John Doe, yeah. let alone a John Doe 2. But you would think they would just put a 2 or rather Burger than King. Burger King Doe. Burger King Doe. Hmm. Interesting. Or Burger King Joe. That'd be interesting. <clears throat> so all in all, the man wasn't in terrible shape like you'd expect. Like, you'd, you know, just you'd, obviously this is somebody that you just found on the side of a road or you know, in a dump, near a dumpster. Dehydrated. Right. Sunburned. Yeah. He had cataracts uh, on both eyes that nearly made him blind. Wow. Um, but that's obviously not an acute symptom. That's something no. that happens over a long time. And you would think um, like an elderly-ish person. Yeah. Um, but didn't have any signs of major injury. He was a pretty healthy white man in his mid-50s. Okay. Which, mid-50s, you don't usually see totally grown over cataracts, right? I guess it depends. Yeah, I guess, yeah, genes and all that. Uh, with good vitals overall and no drugs or alcohol in the mm. system. Uh, his blood work was, quote, surprisingly within normal limits. Wow. According to a doctor that was writing in his chart. Uh, he was dirty, as you'd expect. Had a long beard that hadn't been washed in a long time with lots of dirt under his fingernails. You know, um, homeless looking, you know, um, vagrant kind of type of thing. The only curious thing they found were three small depressions on his skull from previous incidents and some scars on his arm and neck. So, yeah, nothing that happened at this point, but like dents in his head from whatever. Sure. It could have been an injury of 20 years ago. Correct. Correct. So while he was in good shape physically, psychologically, whole different story. Um, he didn't eat or speak for days. Hence the Burger King dough. They right. didn't have a name to him. Yep. He would jerk violently anytime somebody ch- touched his chest, like if they're looking for vitals or whatever. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. So this is where me as my profession would step in because I'm a dietitian. I'm a dietitian. You'd be like, and if you're not eating for days, that's where I'd come into the picture, make your calculations, and order tube feedings for a patient such as this. Shove a tube down your throat. Burger King dough would have had LEPRD on the him. on on the board. Yep, yep. Eventually, he started speaking a few words uh, at a time to some nurses, and they got some information out of him. That he'd lived in the woods for 17 years. Jeez. Uh, when they asked him what his name was. He said, they call me BK around here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. And he's Burger King Doe. Yeah. They're like, wow, that was kind of fitting. Yeah, yeah. So the nurse said, no, 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 your real name. And he said, BK, but you're, you're getting me confused. So he was kind of confused. They weren't really sure. Is it BK? Did you just hear that your name's Burger King and say BK? Like, what's going on here? So on the eighth day, BK started to get difficult. Um yeah, he cursed at nurses, yelling, calling them beasts and demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd violently throw his fists and spit and, you know, just trying to jerk out of his, his stuff. And uh, he was diagnosed with catatonic schizophrenia. Interesting. was given Haldol. Oh, that's a very common one. Pretty serious antipsychotic medication, mm-hmm. from what I understand. Used frequently in our patients that are spitting and kicking and hitting. So it just kind of chills them out totally? Oh, yeah. Like vegetative almost? No, um, like to the point where, well, possibly. You got to find that happy medium because, A, you don't know metabolically how somebody's going to process a drug. So you have to find that good 
point where they're not zonked and they're not spitting and kicking. The minimum effective dose. Yes. Um, eventually, BK was transferred to the psych ward at Memorial Hospital, also in Savannah. When he was interviewed there, he couldn't remember his name or where he was living or how he got to Georgia. So it was a problem. Yeah, it was just like... So at that point, he regressed because he previously knew he lived in the woods for 17 years. So he said. Uh huh. Like, but he was at least giving some information. True, true. Um, he thought maybe he was from Indianapolis and possibly had three brothers, but he couldn't remember their names or faces or anything like that. He could remember a few things, like, you know, anything you can remember. Anything. He's like, um, a movie theater, a long road in a cornfield, uh, some streets in a city that could be Denver, Ugh, like guy, Denver, yeah. Colorado, is what he's talking about while he's sitting here in Georgia. And one thing he absolutely knew about himself was that he was born exactly 10 years before Michael Jackson. Really? He's like, one thing I know is I was born August 29th, 1948, 10 years before Michael Interesting. Jackson. Interesting. Yeah. He kept saying that. <clears throat> so it wasn't like me, you know, coming up with it or somebody else. It's like he, he knew he was born 10 years before Michael Jackson. So uh, since BK was pretty lucid at this point and had a good recollection of like regular history, not like personal history. Um, like he knew George W. Bush was president in 2003 and the U.S. invaded Iraq for the second time. So interesting that he knows that, but not about his own self. Yeah. Autobiographic information. He yeah. Know. Uh, they thought maybe he was faking amnesia. Um, I guess there's a lot of cases like this where, you know, they, they pretend that they're doing amnesia, but they'll, they'll remember major events. And, you know, like the, you know, cops kind of know to look out for this kind of stuff. And they would do that because they want to like hide from their life type of situation. Yes. So it says this method of fake amnesia is an old trick that many people have used. Um, yeah. Get away from old life, old debts, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. But the staff at the hospital believed BK and he seemed pretty genuine. Interesting. It's got to be very frustrating for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, and scary and a very, lot of very, very scary. You, know, you can understand why somebody would get violent. They're like, they don't know themselves. They can't even think and like, where am I? Who am I? You and know? psychologically, if you don't remember yourself, what's going on inside your brain? Like we're so comfortable knowing who we are because mm -hmm. I know my name, Mike, you know, I know you my don't parents. know our daughter's age, but you know your name. <laughs> this one's very fitting for me. Very you do fitting. know your name yes. and that's good. Right. And that may not last very long. It so. might not, but we're going to hold on to it today. That's right. But, um, yeah, so in January of 2005. Okay, about, so this is months and months later. Yep, uh, four months after he was found at Burger King. Mm -hmm. BK was transferred to a J.C. Lewis primary health center in Savannah, where they take care of homeless and poor people and people that can't like afford health care and stuff like that. Here in America, um, you have to pay for health care uh, quite a bit. So mm -hmm. if you're listening outside of America and you get your health care taken care of, uh, you probably know about us Americans. <laughs> uh, we can barely take care of our, our sick and poor people, so... Um, while he was there, he was told he told someone um, he was sick of being called BK, and that he thought his real name was Benjamin with two A's. Okay. So Benja B E N J A M A N. Okay. Benjamin Benjamin. Um, he couldn't remember his last name, so he just decided Kyle would be a good last name until he could figure it out. Okay. So he's going by Benjamin Kyle, and that's the the name of the story. Okay. Here. So Benjamin, he feels is right, but Kyle, he's guessing. Right. Okay. Yep. So Benjamin and Kyle was the center of attention from the nurses, as you can understand. They're like, so this guy like has no idea who he is, and you know, it's kind of a, you know, as as weird as it is, a fun game. You know, I mean, we're all here listening to true crime, and it's like this is I want to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I want to help him figure it out. Well, and then you want to talk, like let him talk, right? So that maybe the pieces will gradually start to come together. Yes, exactly. They take turns asking him questions to try to spur his memory. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure they'd think of one in their home. They're like, oh, I got to ask him tomorrow right. about this. 
Uh, maybe bring some pictures, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, everyone wants to be that person that helps solve the mystery for them. Mm-hmm. So they viewed Benjamin as a little more interesting and more relatable than a lot of people they saw at the shelter and not as dangerous and you know, those sort of things. He loved reading books from the shelter's library and was always trying to please people. Um, he'd volunteer to do things like go get some food, mop the floor, strip the beds for laundry, really whatever was needed. Mm-hmm. And became really, really helpful around there. So they liked having him there and he would do little odds and ends. And, and what all would be interesting is if he like hopped on a computer and knew how to like fix something. Because then you'd be like, there's a piece of the puzzle. You did something on computers. Right, right. Something like, you know, that would spark a memory. Yep. Um, and there's a little bit of that. Okay. So, um, eventually he was counted on for so many things that he'd carry around a nice key ring filled with a bunch of different keys from the shelter. So he was like staff at this yeah, point. He was kind of a maintenance man walking around, had keys to the whole place. Um, Kyle became, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go between Benjamin and Kyle. So yeah, Benjamin became particularly close to one of the nurses there, Catherine Slater. Oh, um, Ooh, la, la. nope. None of that. Okay. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> um, Benjamin would stay up late most nights with Catherine working the night shift. So yeah, not because she was working it, but he just stayed up late thinking and doing whatever he was doing. Wow, chicka wow wow. <laughs> Let's talk about the first thing that pops up. <laughs> um, still, Allison, none of that, please. You know you know how I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of You prudish. are, and I'm just getting raunchy here. Yeah, our, our listeners you said night shift. Mm-hmm. I just thought. You thought, wow, chicka wow wow. <laughs> um, she committed herself to helping Kyle find out who he really was. Okay. She said, I figured it would take six months to figure out his real name. Tops. Someone had to have known him. He didn't just drop out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Catherine Slater was wrong. Years went by, and every single attempt to find his identity Jeez, failed. Jeez, years. Yeah. This included help from police, FBI, journalists, you name it. Now, are they putting his picture out there? Does anybody know this person type of situation? Yeah, because the media is loving this, right? Mm-hmm. It's like something they want to grab onto, you know, like those little feel-good stories or maybe you know future feel-good stories. You hope it's going to be. Right. So they put it out there. They put his face out. And they, yeah, this man doesn't know who he is. If you do, call this number. Jeez. So, nobody's calling. No. A lot of that stuff locally. Uh, what was really odd, besides there being no clues to Kyle's previous life, was the fact that nobody anywhere recognized him mm-hmm. like nobody nobody it was crazy like i said like you asked you know he was all over tv the internet seen by millions of people none of the leads that reached out held any water mm-hmm. at all um you know once in a while somebody like there's this one lady that was like i think i was married to him and uh turned you out think and then he's like no i wasn't married i don't even know like he proved somehow um I'll, i might no no i don't talk about it later he's like um he proved it with like a dna test and she's like oh it must have been him and he had somebody else's brain inside of him he's like okay oh. lady maybe you have the schizophrenia <laughs> yeah okay crazy i'll see you later um but yeah so 10 years after he was found naked and sunburned behind a dumpster at a burger king he was largely in the same situation so now we're in what 2014 yes so even if he was lying about his memory loss, there's no available record of him existing like anywhere so far. Like he lived no. in an alternate dimension or something like that. When you say there was no record, like fingerprints, you mean? Because right. I'm I'm not in a DNA system, right? So there wouldn't be a record of me per se, or like local like missing persons or anything like that, right? Like, so know. nobody reported him missing. But you did mention the whole like woods for 17 years, and when someone's off the grid for that amount of time, people stop looking for you sometimes. And you wouldn't think that his English would be so good, you know? He'd be away from people, and I don't know, you know. I, so there, people are just trying to put this puzzle together. Mm-hmm. Um, one redditor said, "Maybe he? Are you a time traveler? <laughs> um, is that possible?" And he's like, "No, I'm definitely not." 
Um, so anyways, back to Catherine Slater, the nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, before being a nurse, she was an accountant. Um, so she naturally pays attention to detail um, as a nurse or accountant or any, any of those uh, sort of jobs. Benjamin Kyle was a sizable man, big chest, um, large legs, tall, had a bushy mustache. Uh, the books he read were mostly science fiction. He liked fixing things and listening to NPR on the radio, just to kind of give you an idea of the kind of guy he was. Mm-hmm. He also always liked talking about restaurant equipment. Okay, see, this is the pieces of the puzzle. Yep. Did you distribute restaurant equipment? Is that what you did for your career? Exactly. So he talked about things like large stoves, commercial size coolers, like restaurant equipment. So perhaps he worked in a restaurant or he did something, you know, related to that. Yeah, people on Reddit were like, were you a distributor? Or did you, yeah, did you fix them? Did you go like restaurant to restaurant fixing them? Because uh, how would you know about them otherwise? Right. So, um, but mostly she said he stayed in his own head. Um, as much time as Catherine spent with Benjamin, she felt safer on him. She did feel safer on him at the hospital, but he never showed any kind of attraction to Catherine. And she thought a guy like that would probably be missed by someone. Mm-hmm. Like she, she enjoyed spending time with him. He was, you know, genuinely interesting to talk to and stuff. Right. When Catherine started her search for uh, Benjamin Kyle's identity, she assumed someone was looking for him. Makes sense. She was looking around missing person websites, posting his pictures online wherever she could. Um, Nobody ever recognized him. Catherine reached out to police. She figured someone must have attacked Benjamin before taking all of his clothes. Like, otherwise, why would he be laying there clothesless and sunburned and all Mm -hmm. that stuff? But Richmond Hills never opened a criminal case because it's not a crime to not know your name and not know who you are. Sure. And there was no evidence of an attack. You know, there was no major cuts or anything like that. Um, I believe Catherine got FBI Special Agent Bill Kirkconnell to feed Benjamin's fingerprints into the FBI National Database. Mm Mm-hmm which is the largest database of its kind with 113 million sets of fingerprints. They also put Kyle on the missing persons page, which this guy, Bill, he said, this is one of the only times I can ever remember putting a known person on a missing person. Like page. you're here, you're not missing, but <laughs> right. you're missing from like who you are. Right. Right. So that's so interesting. Yeah. It's like, we know, we know where he is. Just don't know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they listed him as an unidentified living person. Interesting. Yeah. As you know, the only people that turn up on the FBI database, just like you said, are people that have committed crimes in the past. Right. And so Benjamin Kyle didn't show up. Either he never got in trouble or he just never got caught. Mm-hmm. So um, Catherine Preston also reached, also searched the FBI database for anyone with similar demographics to Kyle, dating back to the 70s. Um, and uh, Catherine and friend went through 350 possible cases that the system spit out. So they had to go through them and look and try to find pictures and stuff mm-hmm. like that. She thought she may have found them a few times, but upon further investigation, no dice. So in 2007, Catherine went on a media tour. She's like, okay, just get his name and face in front of as many people as possible, right? Trying to get news channels and paper to run Kyle's story. He had plenty of interviews under the titles of things like Real Live Nobody, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Nowhere Man, and The Living John Doe. But nothing came from those either. And none of this rings a bell to me. Right. Like, I don't recall ever seeing this story. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I I read about it. I'm like, this isn't real. And then I read more and I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. There's one article I got a lot of this information from um, and a couple documentaries and stuff. But um, there's it's it's crazy. Um, so much information. So, so anyways, Benjamin and Catherine were affected by getting their hopes up continuously and then nothing happening. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, uh, no, uh, oh, I'm going to go on this show. No. Yeah. So it's like, man, are we going to do it? Like, should we keep on doing this? But then one day a guy named Dr. Phil called Dr. Freaking Phil. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dr. <laughs> Freaking Phil. Before agreeing to bring him up on the show, the producers were like, we got to check into this guy's story. 
Because if he's a fraud and we have him on, we look pretty bad. Right. But at what point in time was Dr. Phil getting involved? What year was this? Around the same time. 2014, whatever that was. Last okay. Because I, I know you said she went on the media thing in 2007. Because oh, okay. obviously, it had been years that, the, I mean, he'd be quite the fraud if he was carrying this on for three years. It was like 2008. Okay. Okay. So before, yeah, they, they looked into him and all this stuff. Specifically, the producers trusted the word of Harold Copas, uh, a former FBI agent who was working as a private dick. You um, just want to say the word private dick. I will say that every chance. That Again. Yep. Uh, Harold interviewed uh, Benjamin Kyle for multiple months, along with the Burger King employee who found him and the EMTs and the nurses that cared for him just to gather an entire case and, you know, kind of see if he smelled anything that, you know, seemed fishy. Uh, Copa said, the producers trusted me. They knew I could smell bullshit a mile away. He said he was, quote, 90% sure that Benjamin Kyle was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So... Jason King, a neuropsychologist from Atlanta, also tested Benjamin Kyle and determined he was in the 95th percentile for verbal IQ. Really? Which was like, wow. That's I wouldn't expect that. really impressive. Yeah. So the guy can process stuff. Okay. Um, and King decided Kyle was suffering from disassociative amnesia. Okay. Dissociative amnesia. The inability to recall important personal information that would not typically be lost with ordinary forgetting, usually caused by trauma or stress. That's what causes it, trauma or stress? Usually. Okay. Yeah. So, in October of 2008, Benjamin and Catherine flew to L.A. to tape the Dr. Phil show. Since Benjamin didn't have identification, he had to board the plane with a police officer. I was curious about that. <laughs> yeah. Little things you take for granted. Right. The things we, like, we can just go, you know, check out a book at the library. He can't do that. You can't do much of anything without an identification. No. I'll tell you a little bit more about what he can't do later. Um, Dr. Phil's producers, you know, Catherine talked to them and she's like, I don't really want to be on the show. They're like, you have to be. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like his guardian angel. Mm -hmm. And the story makes a lot more sense with you involved. And it you know, pulls at your heartstrings a little bit more. Yeah. So she's like, okay, I'll be on the show. Um, per the producer's request, Kyle shaved off his, uh, Benjamin Kyle shaved off his mustache for the taping of the show. As he was being interviewed by Dr. Phil, he wasn't very at ease. He was kind of just kind of stiff and, you know, didn't, yeah, he answered all the questions and stuff. He was nervous and, you As know. one would expect being on TV. Yeah, and been through this thing a million times already. So Dr. Phil asks, what's this been like for you? And Benjamin goes, frustrating. And Dr. Phil's like, do you have any idea you were what you were doing in Georgia? And he said, no, I think I came down to see the ocean. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Within like that, <laughs> really no idea. Uh, Benjamin told Dr. Phil about the small amount of memories he thought he had. The, again, the three brothers... Indianapolis, Denver. He told Dr. Phil how he was 100% sure his birthday was August 29th, 1948. Mm -hmm. Again, say it with me, 10 years before Michael Jackson yeah. was born. So Dr. Phil's like, is this something that you don't really remember, but you just have a sense that it sounds right? Like, how does that work for you? And Benjamin's like, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't really know how it works. I wish I could explain it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's instinctive. Like you said, like he'll have his instincts still and his habits. Like, like he'll still know how to do things that he previously did. Yeah. Just, it's just interesting that the one fact he remembers is about the birthday with Michael Jackson. Like, why not anything else? Like, I used to live on this one street. It's just specific to that birthday. Yeah. It's like his brain wants to block it out. Yeah. As hard as it can. Catherine was sitting in the audience. She told viewers she was so happy to see how hard Benjamin worked without really having to do so. She said this man could have stayed and done nothing and serviced himself, but he chose not to. 
His moral character, his fiber was so strong that I couldn't believe someone's not missing him. Mm-hmm. Like he right. was so helpful. Well, and you said he was a helpful guy. He was personable. He was nice. He was probably good to speak with. He must have had friends. Yep. It doesn't make sense. And then did that, he, I'm sorry, no, I just no. interrupted you. Did he ever do any kind of like hypnotherapy or anything like that? Yep, they had hypnotists. Nothing really worked. Okay, um, several times actually. Okay. Um, Benjamin, you know the last story as he was on the show. It kind of surprised the audience a little bit. They're kind of taken aback. He said he was lucky enough to have his cataracts removed thanks to a charity that paid for it. Once he was able to see again, I mean, he couldn't see more than a couple of feet in front of him. Jeez, so that must have really affected his life. Yeah, like when he was mopping in that place, like he had to go in circles because he couldn't see like further. So he was largely blind. Um, But he said, you know, once he was able to see, he looked at himself in the mirror and he was taken aback at how old he looked. Really? So he couldn't see for quite a while. Yeah, he was, he figured he was about 10 years younger. Wow. He pictured himself as 30-something. So one would think his vision must have started to go at around that age, yeah. 30-something. Right. And so he was surprised to see wrinkles, sunken eyes, his gray hair, uh-huh. <laughs> like all these things. He's just like, whoa, imagine thinking to yourself, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And then, I mean, he lived a pretty rough life, I would imagine, in the sun constantly. I don't Based know. on the way that he was when he was found. Correct. And the fact that his cataracts were so far advanced that he didn't do anything about it. You would think if he had a job and he was, you know, had a home and a career, he would have pursued a cataract surgery sooner. Sure. Right. Because he would have had the resources to do so. Yeah. So, I mean, picture yourself seeing yourself, you know, 20 years ago and just like, whoa, that's a different person. But it was enough for him to have that remembrance, though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He had it. It's in him. It's in Mm -hmm. his head. It's not like that part of his brain's dead. Because otherwise he would have just been a stranger. He wouldn't have had any frame of reference about, oh, I look old. So he knew what he did look like. Right. And in that vein, Dr. Phil ended that show by showing everyone some computer-generated images of what Benjamin may have looked like, you know, through the years. He Mm -hmm. said, here's what he probably looked like 20 years ago, 10 years ago. You know, here's what he looks like now, just in case you recognize him. Mm -hmm. And they set up a hotline and everything. He said, take a look at this man. If you've seen him, we want to hear from you. Right. So the episode aired on October 16th, 2008. It was seen by over 4 million people and then countless reruns after that. They had set up, a, like I said, a, a hotline, and they got plenty of calls, but most weren't very specific. Like, oh, he looked like a guy that went to X, you know, a church that I went to or saw at the grocery store, you know, a lot of crap mm-hmm. like that. And this is where, I, um, oh, some there were some crazy ideas about mutant fire ants, like how <laughs> in an electro... Where, where do these people come from? <laughs> I think just people that want to screw with Dr. Phil, honestly. <laughs> a mutant fire ant bit him and it morphed into this person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bunch of crazy calls, but... After the taping, as Catherine and Benjamin flew back home to Georgia, Catherine just couldn't work up the courage to ask Benjamin how he was feeling because she's just like, I know he's probably still feeling crappy. Like, this is the pinnacle of about as far as we're going to get. Pinnacle? Pinnacle? <laughs> We've had this conversation <laughs> we before. And I'm going to continue to say it. This is the pinnacle of um, where we're going to be. And, you know, she knew it couldn't be a good feeling for him. Because it's just like, just another time I'm telling my story. Nothing's going to happen. But they're only just flying home. So my thought would be maybe he was hopeful. Yeah. And, you know, before he was kind of an anonymous local. And she said now, after so many months of trying to figure out and try to be found, that, that you know, it kind of takes a toll on you. Oh, I'm sure. And in this article that I read, uh, it was by Matt Wolf in The New Republic. He said, um, she was keenly aware that the dream of finding his identity had curdled into a new kind of nightmare. It's one, it's one thing to be missing. 
it's far worse to realize nobody's missing you. That's sad. Yeah, that like made me kind of tear up a little bit when I read it. Yeah. I, I think he put it like so well. One thing to be missing, it's far worse to realize nobody's missing you. That really is very sad. So like somebody could have seen him and like not cared enough to call. Right. You know. Oh, that that's a real kick in the or chest. Or just know that nobody's out there. That would be my thought. Like there's not a soul on this planet that misses me. That gives a shit that I'm That's lost. a really rough thing to a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. I didn't even like think of that aspect. No. So in February 2009, Catherine Slater was contacted by Colleen Fitzpatrick. Okay. A self-described genealogical detective. Okay. She has a PhD in physics from Duke. Super smart, smart entrepreneur making laser equipment for NASA. So she does, you know, the geneal- genealogical stuff on the side. It's kind of like a, a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's This brilliant. is the type of hobby that very smart people have. Right. Or people that like puzzles. Mm-hmm. Putting stuff together. Colleen took up genealogy in the 1990s and wrote several books on the science, math, art of using public records and DNA databases to find your family's history. So probably a big fan of Ancestry.com or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she had enough of a following that she was often consulted for like really tricky genealogy cases. Does she do any kind of like murder and like crime things? Yep. So some of her claims to fame include helping to identify remains from a child on the, on the Titanic and then another person that was preserved in the Alaskan snow from a 1948 plane crash. Wow. So she helped find their families and stuff. Um, really, really interesting stuff. So then one day a colleague of hers was like, hey, you should get on this Benjamin Kyle case. And she's like, yeah. Well, because this, this is a living, breathing person. I mean, it's great to bring closure to somebody that's passed away. But this man is like living and breathing and suffering from not knowing who he is. Right. So Benjamin had since quit his job at the shelter over a pay dispute. Um, he just hung up his keys one day and walked out. So didn't seem in his character, but you know, enough is enough, I guess. At some point, you know, he's enough spinning around the hamster wheel. Um, he was now living with Catherine in, wow. a, in a house outside Savannah. Bow, chicka, wow. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. you know, I have a question. When we first started this story, you said the word Virginia. Did you mean Georgia? Yes. Okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was just clarifying. The other thing is, so I assume Catherine is a single woman and has no children. I would assume the same. Okay. Just um, trying to get that picture of like what their living situation yeah, is. Yeah, they never mention children or a husband or anything. Okay. Um, so he's living with Catherine, the nurse, outside of Savannah. Um, he'd been earning money by mowing lawns for Catherine's neighbors, but couldn't get a job anywhere since he didn't have a social security card. Yep. Or a social security number or an ID or anything. Uh, he asked the social security administration for a new number, but their answer was, we can't give you one because you probably already have one. Like, you're a human being, you're probably a U.S. citizen, but we can't give you one. Just like the the bureaucracy of it all but like, what is he supposed to do moving forward that's the thing like nobody really cares enough until somebody very important gets like a, a whiff of this yeah. and it's like okay this is ridiculous this guy wants to work and he can't because he doesn't know who he is but like he's able i mean that's crazy yeah so not only could he not get a job but he also couldn't get food stamps or any kind of government assistance. nothing no. nothing because as far as the u.s government is concerned you don't exist that's exactly what i was going to say you literally just don't exist but you do you, i am standing here right look i'm here i'm talking to you the system considers him dead or that's gone insane it's, they need to create a new rule for a situation like this yep but a little bit of good news um as time went on benjamin began to recall some more things okay like the Indiana State Fair. Because you mentioned Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. 
and buying uh, grilled cheese there for 25 cents. Okay, so, so perhaps he grew up because when it would be 25 cents, that was probably a long time ago. Yep. So they pieced these things together. Um, or that he was in Denver before the big Thompson Canyon flood. Okay. So he'd be able to remember certain things. Uh, he remembered he loved a restaurant called Mama Elena's. And at the same time, hated the service he got at a restaurant called Azar's. Okay. <laughs> so just That like, must have been some pretty damn bad service. <laughs> yeah. He also could recall watching the movie Car Wash when it came out in theaters in Denver. Okay. So it was like, okay. So now we know that, you know, Car Wash came out in 1976. This placed him in Denver from the mid-70s to the mid-80s. And unfortunately, there wasn't much left after that, as far as memories are concerned. Um, Colleen Fitzpatrick, the genealogy expert, pretty much agreed with Catherine that she couldn't imagine there wasn't somebody looking for Benjamin Kyle out there. Mm-hmm. Like he seems like a like somebody would want to be with him. Unless he was so much of a drifter that, you know, he never made like a deep connection. Right. Like people liked him. You know, he was a good guy, nice guy, but maybe he was only in this town for a couple months and moved along and it's like, oh, okay. And I think it was also more of their feeling that they wanted to be the ones to figure it out. Sure. So they're like, there's got to be somebody, please. Yeah, that, that would feed their ego. To and kinda... also to help this guy. Of course. Yeah. It's not like selfish. I mean, it kind of is selfish, but at the same time, it's a good selfish. It's You're a big to help picture. Him. Yeah, for sure. So Colleen put articles in the cities Benjamin remembered. Indianapolis, Denver. Mm-hmm. I think they did something in Boulder, too. And she also did something that I can't imagine wasn't done sooner. She looked up birth announcements and birth certificates, church records, military draft records for anyone born August 29th, 1948. Mm-hmm. Specifically in like maybe the Indianapolis area. Right. All those places. Yeah. Now, is Catherine working at this time? Because this sounds like a full-time job. It does. I Yeah, she's working in her entrepreneur stuff. Wow. She's a hard worker. Yeah. Um, another smart thing she did was hand out flyers at a major restaurant conventions, like several major restaurant conventions, because mm-hmm. he knows restaurant equipment. So right. it's like, okay, well, odds are somebody here probably knows him or has seen him at a restaurant or something. Um, since Benjamin could easily recall things about fixing stoves and all those things we talked about earlier. So Colleen checked Benjamin's body for obvious things like tattoos or unique markings and identified a couple of areas surgically repaired, but they didn't really help. Like okay. he had a pin in one, like his elbow, but it was generic. Like it was untraceable basically. Not like it could be pinned down to this hospital. Yeah. Like a specific kind of screw or something. Yeah. Sure. Nothing. Um, so Colleen looked even closer at Benjamin's genetics uh, and yes, they already checked his DNA in the FBI database, but one thing they didn't check was any relatives, like, you know, the DNA sequencing that could be close. Oh, to his okay. DNA. Yeah. Well, that seems kind of obvious. Right. But, you know, they don't really have that necessarily in, in that database. Mm-hmm. So this is what Colleen was most interested in. Right. Since it was 2009, Colleen could go a little deeper with help from DNA tracing companies like 23andMe. And you know how there's all those companies people send their yep. DNA in and they say, okay, you're more likely to have this and you're probably from this area of the country or of the, the, the world mm-hmm. and you know, this and this, Oh, you're related to this person who's also in our database. So, you know, people submit their blood samples and they find out a bunch of stuff with their DNA and 23 and me owns your DNA. So they can uh, <laughs> do what they will with it. I've never really uh, done that because I'm afraid of that. So. I mean, I, I'm not really afraid of it because I don't have anything to hide. I think it's interesting, but it is kind of scary to know that like you're out there. I like privacy. I, like I, I like privacy too. Yeah. So um, what she did is try to, he sent it, she sent a sample of Benjamin's DNA to 23andMe. So she should get, so she could get a match from somewhere in, you know, within the branches of Benjamin's family tree, which would eventually lead her to the trunk, mm-hmm. his parents. Sure. 
So Colleen quickly got some good news. Benjamin's DNA shared a ton of DNA with the family surname of Powell. Oh. So they're okay. like, okay, I think we got somewhere. Now, it doesn't mean that his last name was Powell necessarily, mm-hmm. but he could have an aunt or uncle or mom or dad that used to be a Powell or... Sure. You know, Married you know, off. Right. Exactly. Or yeah, what a brother or sister <clears throat> that was in the Powell, something like that. Somewhere in the last century. So it's not, you know, even too far off. Somewhere, mm-hmm. like somebody alive he's related to, like we just got to find them. Right. They also found a lot of the matches were in the Western Carolinas, specifically in the counties of Pickens and Transylvania. Oh, so not the country, but the county of Transylvania, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Which is interesting because he didn't really say anything about living in North Carolina. No. Uh, Colleen placed Benjamin's picture in a Transylvania County newspaper and asked several members of Powell families to submit their DNA so that she could you know, even have more data uh-huh. and kind of sift through it. Be like, okay, not these Powells, yes to these Powells, and so on and so forth. Uh, it took more than a year of hard work and research. So like you said. <laughs> these people are very dedicated. Yeah. And hundreds of hours of donated time. So not just Colleen, but she had to have a lot of help, too, because you got to look through everything and whatever. But again, it is an interesting story, and that's going to drive people to want an answer. Yeah, 100%. And Colleen could just, like, smell and sense that she was onto something. Mm -hmm. She's like, okay. And, like, you get a little bit further. That's what it is. If you ever go on Ancestry.com, you get that next leaf. And you're like, okay, now who else am I related to? And you get the next person. You're like, oh, okay, okay. It's the just light like, just starts to shine brighter and yeah, brighter. You're like, one more, one more. You know, it's, it's just getting the next piece. So at this point, she said, quote, I was going to get it. It was only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. What first started as a curious project for Colleen became an absolute obsession. Yeah. Like they said that like he was her white whale or something. Like it was like, this is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. She had a hard time thinking about anything else and really, you know, who could blame her? Like, right. She's getting somewhere. Violently. Her employers are like, uh, <laughs> get it together, Colleen. Well, she, owned, she owned a company. So. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, right. She's good. But just as she was getting close, Benjamin ghosted her. What? Yeah, wouldn't return her calls, wouldn't see her, anything like that. So he was maybe getting scared of knowing the truth. Scared? Who knows? Yeah, could have Or been. is there something more maybe going on that he knows? Maybe there is. Maybe there is. I'll tell hmm. you. I'll tell you. We're going to have a satisfying ending here. Okay. One way or the other. goodness. Okay. Apparently, in February 2011, Catherine had had enough of Benjamin, almost hoping that... So this is back to the, the nurse, Catherine. Uh-huh. This kind of helps fill the story in. Catherine had enough of Benjamin, almost hoping that his real identity wouldn't be found. Because a lot of times she'd talk with them and be like, isn't that exciting, Benjamin? And he'd be like, yeah. And she's like, why aren't you more excited? He's right. like, there was something in him that was just like, yeah. Holding back. Yeah, right. Exactly. And he seemed disinterested in knowing who he really was. She kicked him out of the house and found a shelter that would take him in Savannah, reportedly. Um, they had a bunch of like fights. Like it wasn't just. I'll I'll tell you how how it soured mm-hmm. here. But she bought him a prepaid cell phone and said he could still use her help to figure out who he was. But he had to get out of the house. It's very nice of her. Yeah. Um. And here's how kind of how it soured. Like Catherine trusted Benjamin, and really wanted to help solve his mystery. Like she was a true crime buff. She had a bunch of BBC detective series on her shelf. That doesn't surprise me. No, no. I'm sure Catherine listens to true crime right now. Mm-hmm. Um. Kyle wasn't as eager, you know, like I said, why aren't you more interested in stuff? And then at one point, um, let's see who said this. Yeah. Benjamin said, well, you know, I've been in this identity, Benjamin Kyle for a long time. And even if they figure out who I am, I'm probably going to feel like Benjamin Kyle. Well, you are who you are. You can call you whatever you want to call you, but at least you know yourself 
and can figure out where you came from and get your social security card and an identity and be able to live and work and basically the point is live. Right. And that was his most important thing. He just wanted to be able to get access to basic things. Like he didn't really even want to find out who he was, but he wanted to be able to get things. He wanted right. to go to the library. He wanted reasonable to, things. Yeah, he wanted to be able to do, live like a normal American life. And maybe he wasn't a frivolous guy that didn't even care to travel, even if he had the means to do so, and wanted the simple things in life. But you need to have an identity. Yep. And Catherine goes, you know, you know, as she said, as years passed by, her doubts grew. And Catherine said, "Quote: All these people." all over the country trying to solve his case, that's a hell of a drug. Yeah. So she's kind of thinking, like, maybe he just always wants to be the like one that's... A like, center of attention? Right. Not Like, just people wondering about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and having, you know, worrying about him. Well, and then to think that not one person came forward and saying that they knew him, maybe it was something like he was kind of tossed away and nobody paid attention to him, and now all of a sudden people are talking about him. Yep, and you would think maybe this is a money grab or something, but... It wasn't. Um, one time she tried to raise money for him through like you know people donating on a mm-hmm. GoFundMe type thing. He refused. Okay. He, so it wasn't a financial thing. It was more like power. Hmm. Yeah, was what she's thinking. Catherine said, but I think he likes being stuck in the place he's stuck in. Um, she also said Benjamin was a hoarder. Okay. Um, so just holding on to a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah, he'd be out of my house within a week because <laughs> ain't no hoarding happening here. No hoarding. No, no chance. <laughs> ain't no hoarding happening Zero here. Zero chance. <laughs> Um, he got a bunch of catalogs sent to him, like restaurant catalogs and shopping catalogs and all that kind of stuff. And Catherine thinks he just liked getting things with his name on it. Interesting. Um, which I actually like that at some point in my life. I used to like getting pieces of mail, you know, just sent. Huh. Back yeah. like before the internet, I liked things in the mail that had really? my name. Really? Yeah. I never had that. You don't like, well, you get Amazon packages like every other day. I just want what's inside. <laughs> okay. Not I don't care name. that my name's on it. It's not as cool anymore. I don't it. care whose name is on it as long as I, it's what I want. Right, right. Um, and now you want a uh, fire thing for the house. Yes, terribly. Okay. And that's going to be a conversation we'll you and I later. have for another time. Yeah, we'll talk later. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyways, uh, he also began a lot of small repairs all over Catherine's house. She felt sometimes he created problems just so he would need, be needed around the house. Like he'd start tearing up the floor and be like, "This, it's fine. Like it's been fine. And he's like, no, it's got to be replaced. And you can see through like people and know if they're being genuine or shady. Right. Right. And, you know, not that he was being shady. He just was doing it for, yeah, other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's causing her problems at home. Right. Like, I don't want to spend the money to replace my floors right now. They were perfectly fine. Yep. Quit tearing shit up, BK. So eventually all this led to Catherine kicking him out. She Mm -hmm. said, all right, tomorrow's your last day. Gather your shit. Get out of my house tomorrow. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It was her home and she was very nice to open it to him. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure she gave her a few weeks or whatever. But there's a little story the the day before he was supposed to leave. He's like, "Um, can I go burn like all my mail in your backyard just to get rid of it? And she's like, no, like it's going to fly up. Like it's going to be going all over the yard. It's no, you can't burn all your mail. Take it out and like throw it in the garbage. And he's like, so he went out in the backyard, started burning it. Right away, she's like, what are you doing? I said, don't. Please don't do that in my backyard. And it sounds he, like dealing with our son. Yes. He and, does the opposite of what I asked him And he do. just stood there looking at it and didn't even listen to her. And she's like, okay, get out of my house. Enough was enough. Yeah. So she like, it was kind of a bad ending. It was like, uh, get out. You're, yeah. You're I kind of figured it must have been. Yeah. So Catherine offered him a ride. She was still nice. Um, but he walked out carrying only a backpack. And that was the last time Kathleen spoke to Benjamin. Really? Yep. Wow. All that time together. Just... They were so close. 
ended just like a band-aid being yanked off and then you wonder if that's how he did in his previous right hence nobody coming forward yeah part of her was mad at him but she was also mad at herself for falling for this guy's like lost puppy dog mindset um so benjamin just started walking towards florida Hmm. which is pretty damn far from savannah georgia it's like a six hour drive (laughs) so probably a few days walk yeah um a hell of a long walk he got stopped by two georgia sheriff's deputies that recognized him from the fbi database okay they drove him to the Georgia-Florida border. He got out and walked over to Florida, over that bridge. Where did he want to go? Where was his destination? Just just Florida or a specific city and why? I don't know, for sure. But um, he ended up walking to Jacksonville, where he tried to get into a homeless shelter. And what do you think happened? He got into the homeless shelter? No, because he doesn't have an ID. Oh, my God. Wait, in homeless shelters, you have to have ID? You have to have some form of saying who you are. Really? So they can run like a criminal check and just be like, okay, this person doesn't murder people. Got it. You know, whatever. I guess that makes sense. I never thought about it. Yeah, and I didn't know either, and I've never been to a homeless shelter. So um, thank goodness. I know. Like I mentioned earlier, yeah, he didn't have an identity. So he showed up, and they're like, nope, sorry, we can't have you. You can't even get into a friggin' shelter. Yep. So he ended up sleeping in the woods behind the sheriff's office. Jeez. Uh, at this point, Benjamin was getting pretty low on himself. I would imagine. Um, he couldn't find a job because he doesn't have ID. Couldn't find a good shelter. So he connected with a guy named John Wickstrom, a 21-year-old student at Florida State University. Interesting. John wanted to make a documentary to try to get Benjamin's story out there again. Okay. You know, everybody he runs into wants to help. Uh-huh. So what did they just bump into each other in town? Um, I th- somehow, some way. I don't. I think he called him on the cell phone. Some, I don't. I don't know what it was. Okay. Exactly. Um, Wait, who called John? I mean, uh, Benjamin. Yeah, because he um, he got a cell phone from Kathleen. She bought him one. Oh right, right. Okay. So, um, it was a quick. So yeah, John wanted to make a documentary. I actually watched it. It's like a nine or ten minute documentary. Uh-huh. You can go find it on Vimeo, and actually, it's in the show notes. Um, but. You know, he made this documentary about him to try to get the word out. And actually, it helped him out because he ended up getting a, a state ID. Okay. The deal. Like, That's I, progress. Yeah. Um, one of the representatives was like, it's crazy. This man just wants, like, simple help. I mean, that's insane to me. I mean, this guy can't even lay in a shelter. Yeah. So the owner, uh, oh, in that documentary, it was shown on the news. It was like, you know, a local man came over here and made a documentary about this man. And so somebody saw that news clip. His name was Josh Schrutt. Uh, he saw the documentary on the local TV station, and he said, you know, I own a, uh, a restaurant. I'll hire you. Okay. So perfect Good. spot a for job. Him. He knows the restaurant equipment. Yep. Benjamin turned out to be a great hire. Awesome. Um, as he had incredible knowledge of all things restaurant equipment. He could easily grill right away, deep fry, clean, etc. He quickly became the best employee that he had. So one must assume he had had a kitchen job in the past. 100%. Yeah, like he just came to like a fish out of water, right. fish to water, basically. Makes perfect sense. Yep. Like he thought he'd have to train him and stuff. Like he could fix some of the things. He could do, work them right away. Mm-hmm. So uh, Matt Wolf, I'm going to mention him a few more times here, the author of the New Republic article that mm-hmm. I read. Um, he asked John Shrutt why he offered to help Benjamin when so many other needy people were out there. It's like, you know, there's homeless people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Why was this guy's story more important to you? Um, so he, John said that his father was murdered when he was about 21 years old. And Benjamin happened to have a close physical resemblance to John's dad. Hmm. So he said, same age, same build, hair so. color. John said, sometimes I see him from behind. I'm like, wow. Wow. Like, so it just struck a chord. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, that. I'm going to give this guy a chance. Okay. And it worked out really well. Uh, that author also pointed out how most of the compassion around Benjamin Kyle 
were from the loss of his memories and family. But when all was said and done, those things weren't the things Benjamin really missed the most. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were actually the things he missed the least. Benjamin was more worried about getting Social Security, having financial help more than anything else. And he said he'd be done with the whole thing, like trying to find out who he was, if he just won the lottery. He'd be like, I wouldn't even care. I would just go somewhere and just Mm -hmm. leave everybody. Like he, He was kind of a... Yeah, a guy that liked his solitude. So he was a loner. Yes, completely. Right. So in February 2015, Colleen Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. came back into the picture. She's the genealogy person. And he had been ghosting her. Correct. Yep. She was on a TV station in Atlanta and said this was her first TV appearance since you know, he ghosted her. And uh, she said, let's see, if the mystery, quote, if the mystery is ever solved, I think the story will go away, and he won't get the time and attention from people. And he'll probably have some angry people that devote a lot of effort to helping him, when in the end, he's not a big executive, he's just a regular person. Or probably just a street person. But why would we be angry about that? Um, he doesn't have to be, or had been, anything. Right. But he was a person. That's right. the point. I don't care if he was from the street. I don't care if he lived in the woods. He's a person. I don't care if he's a king or something. I just want no. to know who he is. Right. Right? Just like basic human rights. That's basic human rights. Yeah. So at this point, Colleen's kind of coming off a little witchy a little bit. I don't know. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. And she was probably, you know, felt bad because she put all these hours and the yeah. guy just ghosted her. So Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'd be a little bitter about that. For sure. After the interview on her website, Colleen posted a question on uh, to Benjamin's supporters. She said, "Why did Benjamin's supporters assume he was a trustworthy? Assume he was trustworthy when really he could be anyone. Mm-hmm. He could be. While he might indeed be a loving husband and father, he might also be a drug dealer or a child molester or a member of the mafia. He could be anybody. Of all possibilities, should we assume the benign without ruling out the sinister? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't." He could be a serial killer. We could say all day long, he could be, he could be, he could be. Yeah, and that's not the point. That's not the point. I think she completely missed it. It's really interesting. Maybe she's trying to like find closure to herself. Like maybe, yeah, maybe he's bad. Maybe that's why I didn't find it. You know, maybe. Um, a month later, Benjamin posted a response to Colleen on his Facebook page. Oh, he has Facebook. Yes. So in it, he said um, that he cut off communication with Colleen because she didn't give him access to his own genealogical information Hmm. because he wanted it. And she's like, no, why? And and refused to share the information with other researchers. Says, I think she wanted kind of the notoriety of everything. Okay. um, Wanted to be the one to find it, which I kind of don't blame her. She's like, you know, if she does all the work and then all of a sudden somebody else gets credit, uh, you know, I don't know. She probably wanted it for her resume. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing not really sure if that's true or not, but that's what he claimed. Okay. So, quote, for years, I felt that Colleen was exploiting me, the vulnerable nature of my memory loss, my lack of resources and poverty. However, I felt helpless to respond. I now have my voice Okay. on Facebook. So, so now that he's got this restaurant job, he's making money and he's living in an apartment or something? Yeah. Um, I think he was actually living with his boss. Okay. This guy that thought he reminded him of his father. Yep. Um, of course, Colleen denied all this, but there was a person who came to support Benjamin and her name was C.C. Moore, mm. another genealogist who volunteered to work on Benjamin's case. Okay. C.C. and Colleen had worked together before, so they had similar circles. Um, you know, this wasn't their day job, but they've worked together on the genealogical side before. Mm-hmm. They knew each other from conferences that they both attended, um, but they had a huge fight over mm-hmm. Benjamin Kyle, specifically. 
Cece basically said she was appalled Colleen wouldn't share information. Like, this is just low of you. Like, how could you not share information? It's to help? his information. Right. And Colleen said Cece's just an actress, which was her profession. She's not comfortable with her own accomplishments, so she has to steal mine. I put meow. These kittens meow. have claws. These kittens got claws. Um, well, in June of 2016, Cece Moore found a direct link to Benjamin Kyle's past. Oh. Yep. Wow. She immediately called him and told him the news. But he hung up on her. Really? <laughs> yeah. So something. Yeah. It's like, dude, you want these basic needs. Get your freaking identity and then you can do whatever you want. Yep. So Cece's like, okay, I, I think I found something, but he hung up on me. So Cece called Matt Wolf, this author that I'm referencing again. And Matt left Benjamin a voicemail expressing concern over his well-being. He's like, hey, man, just call in and make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Cece called you. Just call me back. Just tell me you're okay. We don't have to talk about anything else. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin called him back about an hour later and Benjamin goes, I guess I'm in shock. I have so many thoughts running through my head about how I'm going to handle this. I don't know. I seem to be having a hard time focusing. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, again, he's like, is this it? Is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. I've been, yeah. I've been told somebody's going to help me many times, but Cece, you know, they, they're far enough along where she might have something. And here. I mean, at this point we're looking at 12 years that this guy has been going through this. Yep. Exactly. It's a long time. Yep. So then Benjamin goes, she says he's from Indiana. Okay, well, that would make sense. That's and where he was at the fair and getting these 25-cent grilled cheeses. Yep. Matt goes, he? Like, who's he? And Who said, wait. So Benjamin told Matt, she said he's from Indiana. She said he? Yep. Oh, not I'm. Right. So Matt's like, he? What are you talking about? And he's like, shit. So he says, quote, shit. I mean, he him me i don't know so he's like identifying with this person as somebody else yeah because he's him he's not this other guy he's benjamin but kyle. he is him he is but he knows what you know like benjamin kyle you lived in indiana well it's really hard to just kind of pick yourself up and say now this is my life but you, you know? know you came from somewhere yeah but it's not a necessarily like a transfer it's it t- it's a lot that's a lot to handle i'm not discounting that yeah but he's like, um, I don't know. After 11 years, I never thought they'd get it. He laughed a woozy little laugh. Then I just came out of the blue, basically. Um, and I'm going to read an excerpt straight from Matt Wolf's article since it explains a lot. Okay. So this will quote directly from his article. Uh, One of C.C. Moore's volunteers noticed a mistake on the family tree, partially constructed by Colleen Fitzpatrick. So Colleen Fitzpatrick was putting this tree together and there was a mistake? Right. Okay. Which threw off a lot of stuff. Okay. Because you start going down the wrong path. Yep. One of the great grandsons in the Powell family had been misidentified. When they tracked down, which is probably where they saw the Carolinas and stuff. Uh-huh. Or whatever. When they tracked down the uh, correct relative, it turned out he had died in Indiana. And while most Powells were Protestant, this family was Catholic. So completely different. Uh, Moore finally found a photo in the 1967 yearbook from Jefferson High School in Lafayette, oh, Indiana, wow. of a teenager who is hidden behind big black plastic rim glasses. His crinkle-eyed smile and lantern jaw were unmistakable. Well, and the glasses would make sense because he had eye issues, cataracts. Yep. His name was William Burgess Powell. Wow. <laughs> so, We've found our guy. So Benjamin Kyle is William Burgess Powell. Wow. Um, Benjamin, it appeared, or William... I'm going to make that as clear as I can. Um, had been So re- what are you going to call him now? So I'm going to start calling him William. Okay, because that's who he is. He right. is William. He is not Benjamin. Right. Um, had been right about most everything other than his name. 
Um, William was the second son of Furman. So the guy's name, his dad's name is Furman, okay. if you are a man, and Marjorie Powell. He had been born in Lafayette, an hour north of Indianapolis. As a child, he attended Catholic school. His father died in a boating accident in 1969. Mom died from cancer in 1996. Okay. And he had three brothers, Furman Jr., Thomas, and Robert. Thomas had died young a long time ago, but Furman Jr. and Robert were still alive. Okay. Robert, the youngest, lived in Florida. Oh, that's interesting because that's where he wanted to walk to. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's almost like... like, They say like twins get that sense, but it was interesting. Well, I mean, he was in Georgia, which is just a state away. Yeah. That could be why, but it is interesting. While Furman, the oldest, still lived in the family's house in Lafayette. Oh, wow. So crazy. Um, So they just never saw these stories. Right. Just like we didn't. I guess not. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh We didn't see it. I don't watch Dr. Phil. Right. Um, It appeared that Kyle had also been wrong about his birthday. Oh, and he was so certain of that. Yeah, sad, right? How far off was he? Uh, Let's see. Moore hadn't yet been able to track down a birth certificate, but two genealogy websites showed a William B. Powell born in 1951. Okay, and he thought it was... 1948. Oh, interesting. So Matt Wolf, um, who interviewed uh, William... Um, he asked how it felt to know he was right about everything but his birthday. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, if she says, sure, I'm William, I believe her. But I really can't believe I wasn't born on the day I thought I was. Hmm. He's like, he just wouldn't shake him. He's like, ah. Like, what did happen on that day that, like, you were so, that was before he was born, though. Yeah, I don't know. So anyways, Matt Wolf said, quote, the next day, uh, William called me and told me triumphantly, that C.C. Moore had been wrong. She'd gone deeper into the records, and William Brent Powell was born in 1951. Oh. So it wasn't him. It wasn't him? But William Burgess Powell, who's him. So uh, William oh. Brent Powell was not him. Okay. But William Burgess Powell was, in fact, born on August 29th, 1948. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like, what? Like, that's the one thing. The guy thing. was, like, so certain. He's <laughs> yeah. like, damn yeah so he goes i'm so relieved that was one of the things i clung on to to keep my sanity Uh uh-huh sure all along you're believing that and then all of a sudden you're told you're wrong yep so he was quiet for a little while and it sounded like he was crying and he said these little facts that i knew were yeah like well it makes you feel like you had some shred of sanity yep yep it turned out the powell household unfortunately was pretty scary and dark place oh no well we know that this came about with trauma and stress yep and he had those things on his head the indents and the fact that his eyes were so bad a surgery that could have like changed his life wasn't done yep so we know there was abuse happening oh that makes me sick so, in talking with now Williams, likely oldest brother Furman Jr., uh-huh, who still lives in the house. Yep, the author found that Furman Sr. was quiet and angry and drank a lot of alcohol. Oh. Um, and for some weird reason, William, like all the kids knew, William was his mom, mother Marjorie's favorite kid, and because of that, he became the target of Furman Sr.'s anger. Oh, and abused regularly. What was their age difference? I don't know. Okay. Um, Furman didn't get too specific. Furman Jr. didn't get too specific, but he said it was regular and brutal. Furman Jr. was abusing his brother or no, the dad? The dad. The dad was because so his Furman mom... Jr. is Furman's son. Okay. And uh, William yes. is also Furman's brother. Yes, I There's know There's Furman at the top. Yes. Furman Jr. was born first. Then I think uh, William, then Robert. 
Um, died a long time so ago. the dad was upset because the mom favored her son over her own husband. Yeah, you know how like in uh, that you know that pie movie you like that the guys like don't go loving that baby more than uh-huh. me. It's um the waitress. The waitress. Is the movie Mike's referring to, which um, is one of my favorite movies. Yes, Mike is referring to that. And a lot of guys, Mike, you are Mike. Don't speak of yourself in the first person. Is that right? First yes. person, third person, third person. Yeah, I always find that very creepy when people do that. I think our video just went out. But that's all right. We'll just keep the audio going. Um, and yeah, so do you understand kind of the... Yes, I understand now. For some reason, I thought you meant the the brother was jealous. No. So he was abusing Oh, yeah. Mom. So my point was that a lot of guys get jealous that if a woman mm-hmm. shows a lot of love for a Ugh. son. Like, it's weird. It's a weird thing. It's I don't care. Weird. I hope you love our son fantastically. You know, just show me some love, too. But who knows what kind of dynamic they yeah. had as a couple. Right. Exactly. Um, they're a military family, too. I don't know. You know, a lot of PTSD stuff. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, he was the target. And like I said, I, I thought it was really interesting that he uses the words regular and brutal beatings. That is sickening. So he asked him to expand. He's like, no, we're just going to leave it at that. I am so sad. He was like, it was pretty dark. Poor, poor William. William. Yep. So when William turned 16, he left the family home to live another with another family across town. And who could blame him? Yeah. William held several jobs in Lafayette, Indiana. He went from janitor to strip club. Um, I call them jizz moppers. Oh. Um, working at a factory. <laughs> That's <laughs> so gross. <laughs> working at a factory as a loader and then a handyman as a theater at a, at a movie theater. We know he did something in the kitchen, though. Yep. Um, but he did remember movie theaters. So oh, he was a handyman at oh, okay. a movie theater. Uh, when he was 25 years old in 73, 1973, he moved to a mobile home on the property of the Richardson family where he ate dinner with that family each night. Mm, which kind of nice. That's very nice. Um, but largely after that, kept to himself, listening to music and stuff in his trailer. But in 1976, William Powell disappeared. Okay. The Richardson family, where he was staying, got worried that William wasn't at dinner, but saw all his things in his trailer, his music and all this stuff. You know, he wasn't like, didn't just move or something. A few days later, William's red 1966 Rambler station wagon was found abandoned a few miles away. And this was in 1976? Yeah. Wow. William's family was worried he'd been abducted, murdered, like just basically all the bad things are going through their heads. And they filed a missing persons report with the state police. Uh, the police found him pretty quickly, which is good news. He had taken up residence in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, so he did go to Colorado. Yep. Working at a restaurant called Azar's. And there you go. Oh, he said that was bad service. <laughs> he did. Good memory. So that was the one he said he hated because of the bad service. Hmm. Um, Maybe he didn't like some of the staff there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I talk about it later. Um, but if I don't, so they, he asked him about it, and he's like, "How was it like remembering his ours as being the?" He's like, "Ah, that's too bad. I thought it was a place that I just didn't like the service." He like, but the food was terrible. Oh, but he was a cook there. It's so. pretty bad when you're a cook there and <laughs> yeah. you say the food was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so apparently their mother william's mother never got over the loss of her favorite son this is what Furman jr said when he just disappeared yeah a kind of weird that Furman jr again knew that william was the favorite son yeah like that's, that's a weird dynamic don't tell your other kids <laughs> keep it to yourself yeah so she died in 1996 like i said mm-hmm. Furman and robert settled her estate and tried to find william with the help of the army intelligence running background checks so they were trying yeah but they came up with nothing uh, they wrote letters to him at his last known address, got nothing back, and received yeah no, nothing in, her, in return, like I said. So on their end, he basically just fell off the face of the earth. Or died. Or died, or something, yeah. Yeah. No phone numbers, mortgages, updated addresses, nothing. Almost like, like I said, he died. How'd he get to Colorado? 
Good question, Allison. Um, <laughs> you're you're weird. <laughs> Thank you. That's where a guy named Chico Getz comes in. That's a name. Chico G O E T Z. That is a good name. Um, he was a coworker of Williams at some point. Uh, the two would hang out at bars drinking whiskey. But Chico said they weren't really close. Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple of drunks doing what drunks do. That's what mm-hmm. he said. So drinking, basically. Right. You find somebody who does the same thing as you, and you hang out with them and get drunk. And, and not even so much like together. You're just there to. You're there the next to time. each other at the same time. Correct. That's exactly what they were. Mm-hmm. One Sunday night, after a few hours of pounding whiskeys, Chico said, "Hey, why don't we move to Boulder, Colorado?" All right. And William agreed. They packed their shit in Chico's Toyota Celica and drove to Boulder. So it wasn't just drunk talk. They did it. Yeah. Why Boulder? Chico said, quote, because it wasn't Indiana. Well, it's a big change from Indiana to Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) Sure is. Uh, They both worked at fast food restaurants. Chico stayed in Colorado for a year, then went back to Lafayette. But William stayed back in Colorado. So... We know where William is now, um, yeah, at this point in Colorado. We know where he started his life. Mm-hmm. But what about those 20-some-odd years between Colorado mm-hmm. and being found behind a Georgia Burger King naked, sunburned, and covered in ants behind yeah. a dumpster? What happened? We'll probably never know. Also, the thing is, you would think with this whole catatonic schizophrenia that it was something that happened closely before he was found in 2004, this trauma and stress. But it sounds like maybe he was suppressing so much of his childhood abuse and trauma that it just came to a head and he just couldn't cope and shut down. Like his brain literally to preserve itself. Like, isn't that so sad? Survival's sake. For survival's sake, his childhood was so traumatizing that he literally erased it. Yeah. That's something. Yep. So, and that's part of probably why, like, you know, subconsciously why he hung up the phone when he heard about it. His brain was saying, no, shut up. No, abort, abort. Yeah, you don't want to know this. We don't want to go back to this. That's so tragic. So all these times where this Colleen chick was thinking, oh man, he's such a dick or whatever, his brain was telling him no. It's like self-preservation. Yeah, fight or flight, and it was flight. Man, I'm surprised this sort of thing doesn't happen more often with like the amount of trauma that some people in the world go through. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it does. We just don't hear about it. Oh, that is just tragic. Yep. So... William talks with his brother, Furman Jr., mm-hmm. and he reached out to his brother, Robert, via email, but never heard anything back. <laughs> so, And Robert's alive and well? I guess. Like, somewhere. he just doesn't want to hear from his brother? Yeah, apparently. Weird. Maybe well, when they all lived in that house, don't tell me they weren't exposed to abuse as well. Right. Yes, the father may have targeted William, but don't tell me he didn't lay a hand on the other two. Yeah. I'm and and I'm sure the mom had abused had been abused too. Right. It, maybe she was she abusive. I don't know, but it sounds like it was a very traumatic household. So I judge nothing that's yeah, happening. No, or exactly. It's. We can only live our own lives. And we're all just trying to do our best and cope and, you know, be as best as we can through life. Right. So. Uh, He finally got his social security card and birth certificate. That's really what he wanted. Yep. He's like, yes, I'm a human being now. Mm 
Uh, he got to meet his brother and cousins in front of a documentary crew. Wow. In October of 2015. I didn't watch that. I couldn't find where it was. I'm so. wondering how that, you know, the reunion went. Yeah. Um, good. So even though William doesn't like touching and well, stuff. Well, and can you blame him? No, not at all. He's the only friggin' hands that were on him were violence. Yeah. But even though he did, the first time he saw his brother, he gave him a big hug. Oh, that so, makes me really want to cry. Yeah. Um, so he got to meet his brother and cousins in front of a documentary crew. Aww. So he heard a bunch of stories from his family members and, but took them all with a grain of salt since it's been filtered over years and years mm-hmm. of time. He even said, you know, who knows what, what's true, what's not. I'll, I'll just listen to him and whatever. We'll sure. see. Uh, but then William said, quote, I know who I was as a person. I don't think that's changed. I said all along that I wasn't an axe murderer. And so far, I've heard nothing to contradict that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, William now lives in Lafayette again. Okay. Interesting. I'm surprised he went back there. Yeah. He moved because his brother, his older brother, um, Furman Jr., he was becoming frail. Okay. And kind of needed some help. So he came to be closer to his brother. That's nice. And um, Robert still, he moved to Florida, correct? Yeah. Now, does Furman speak with Robert? I don't know. Okay. Um. He found, so uh, William found he was confused at times in Lafayette going through town because mm. so many things had changed. Mm-hmm. He does, It's not like he remembered it. And, you know, he barely remembered it, too. Sure. So there's like part, it's almost like two parts of his brain. Well, he left in 1976. Yeah. That's but, a long But there's time. also parts of his brain that are cutting off specific memories. Interesting. But then some of them are open, too. So he said, I don't know if I quoted it here or not, but he said, basically, it's like, my mind is telling me to go one way to find a store, but my eyes are seeing another complete different way. So he'll get lost in his own town because it's completely different and he's mm-hmm. got contradicting things going on in his brain. Yeah. So he said it's kind of a bad thing a little bit. The other thing is, too, we know his vision was god awful. Right. And now all of a sudden he can see. Yeah. Totally so that different. probably contributed to things, too. Could be. Yeah. Um, and he was also feeling some feelings or emotions that he didn't like. And he didn't really want to talk about because mm. obviously this is the place where all the bad stuff. This happened. is where it happened. This is the scene of the crime. And he still will not step foot in his childhood. home. I don't blame him. Even though that's where his brother was. And lives. you know what? What would happen if he did? Like, <sighs> that's the thing. He might doesn't want to be bad for him. Yeah. It'll bring up demons. Just all come see, crashing down. Yeah. He'll see a corner that he got beaten in or something. And yeah. probably best to stay away. And I don't even know if he is if lafayette's like the best place for him to be yeah i would suggest probably moving elsewhere yeah for his own happiness yep how old is he now he was born in 48 my math skills (laughs) i always do this to myself on the podcast i pull myself into the weeds and embarrass the shit out of myself 43 would be 80 years old so he's 70 something okay okay well i wish him the best yeah um 78 now i'm curious 70 80 74 okay ish so um as for, this is my last paragraph here. So as for the Benjamin name he came up with, mm-hmm. yeah, Benjamin with two A's. I was wondering where he got that. So William guesses it was an alias he came up with as he skipped different towns, picking up different restaurant gigs. Okay. Like he's basically like restaurant jobs are, <laughs> restaurant jobs are a dime a dozen. So I probably just changed my name to Benjamin and just went with that wherever I went. And I assume he was a drifter that headed over to Georgia. It sounded like he was, you know, rough around the edges. He had a long beard so, but his with his vision as bad as it, it was when he was found, could he have even held down a job? Um, so he probably was homeless, though, yeah, right? He probably was. We he don't had know. no identification on himself, Again, hence we'll, being 
Burger King dough. Yeah, and we'll never know. No, we won't, but those are the pieces you could put together. Yeah, but... He was probably drifting from Colorado to Georgia, didn't have his ID on him, and he was naked, right? Yes. Okay. Um, but anyways, so, you know, specifically, why the name Benjamin? Uh-huh. That was, it was something interesting. Why did he come up with that name? Um, this The author that I referred to asked him that, and he answered, quote, I read somewhere that it comes from Old Hebrew. That it means beloved son. Oh, that is just too much. Yeah, that's a. I had to read that part because it's just like a. The a poor guy. He wanted to be a beloved son. Yeah, and he was loved by his mom, but too. Yeah, much. but to what degree? That you know, the other two were kind of pushed to the side. Yeah, but was probably, it a healthy love? Obviously, he just wanted to be loved by his dad too. Oh, of course. What son doesn't? And now he's a grown-up man. You think, oh, well, you know. You should get past it or whatever, but no. no. How can you ever get past it? That's <laughs> no. in your soul. Right. You. It's it's uh, tough. It's, it's tough. very tough, and that's why, you know, some people should have no business having kids. Right. It's just the trauma that that father caused him. That's why if there's people that don't want kids, I'm like, well, don't. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't. Nobody has it's to have your kids. Life. You do what you want to do. Exactly. So. Well, that was a very interesting story. And yeah. all I hope is that this man lives out the rest of his days with some semblance of happiness and peace. Agreed. Um, real quick, wanted to say thanks to um, uh, one particular review. Oh. Um, we got a new review last week. Uh, quote, excellent podcast. I've listened to three episodes so far. I love everything about the show. Great cases, exceptional narration, and I love the banter at the beginning. Makes it more human. From uh, S. Harris, 76. It's so, very nice. Thank you for that. And uh, if you want to make a review, go ahead and do so. But if you want more of the Crime and Coffee couple, we've got bonus episodes. We sure do. Every other week. Bonus. Bonus. We come out with bonus episodes every other week, and we put them up to our patrons. So mm-hmm. depending on your membership level, um, the first one or second one, second people on the second level get everything. Mm-hmm. So people on the first, you get um, every like one a month. Mm-hmm. So not too bad, not too shabby at all. But I want to say thank you to our patrons, Colleen, Lily, Karen, Nadine, Allie, Michael, Kayla, Dominic, Brian, Shannon, Elizabeth, Mandy, Elena, Vivian, Trisha, Lauren, Megan, Jamie, Kathy, Chastity, Genevieve, Clara Ann, Emily, and Kathy. You guys are awesome. Holy smokes, that list is getting pretty long. I know. And every single time a new name comes through, I literally do a happy flippin' dance in my head. (laughs) And maybe even in reality, depending on where I am. The last one, Kathy, I I remember sending it over to you and you said, yay! (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think, and I do lots and lots of exclamation marks. Yeah, so every time we get one in the email, I send them over to Allison, she gets happy. So make Allison happy. You know, because I'm not very happy very often, and Mike just thinks I'm a bear to live with. And let's be honest, I don't do much around the house. <laughs> so, yeah, I could probably do more. But more patrons, yeah, helps me it uh, does. Yeah, figure things out. So thank you, everybody. Yeah, we appreciate each and every one of you each yep. time you come in over here and listen in our little world here. Whether you're a patron or not, you're yes. appreciated. You're special to us all. Yep. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next Sunday. Bye. Bye.